0: Hello, listeners. I am Sierra Jeter, and this is the second episode of the Your WSGA podcast. With me here today are three fantastic, wonderful guests who I'll be chatting with today. We have Megan Durantes at the scene. Go ahead and introduce yourself and in a brief rundown of what you do at Washburn.
1: Yeah, so hi everyone, my name is Megan Durantis, and I am the current diversity and inclusion director for WSGA. Outside of that, I am a sophomore majoring in public administration and then triple minoring.
0: We also have Miss Michelle Sawyer with us. Uh, Go ahead and give us the rundown about yourself as well.
2: Hi guys, I'm Michelle Sawyer. I'm a freshman at Washburn University and my major is pre-dental.
0: And May as well, Uh, Hannah may act
1: introduce yourself.
3: I'm Hannah Maya talkpa. Um, I go by May. I'm a freshman here at Washburn and I am a major in education STEM education and I'm in WNGE and that's about it.
0: Alrighty, so now that we know the guest, um, let me tell you a little bit about myself because I failed to do so in the first podcast. Um, I'm Sierra Jeter, a Washburn University student with a political science major with a Spanish and history minor. I am a WSGA senator and I participate in both pre law club and mock trial club on the Washburn campus. So, as discussed before in the last podcast episode. February is Black History Month. Um, Throughout the entire month, Washburn and WSGA have been celebrating Black lives and recognizing Black History Month through our social media, which is at your WSGA on most social media platforms. Give them a follow, please and thank you. So this podcast conversation will focus more on Black excellence and beyond. So the first question I would like to ask all of you guys is how you identify race-wise, gender-wise, all that identity jazz.
1: Cool, I can go ahead and start with this one. So um, I'm always gonna mess up ethnicity and race. I am a Mexican, Hispanic, Latina, Latinx, CIS woman. And my pronouns are she, her,
3: and I think that's it. Okay, so um, I identify as a cis female woman. Um, I identify, I struggled with this a little bit because like some people consider me white passing, some people don't. So it's kind of hard for me to like claim my culture, but I'm half Nigerian, half white. <laughs> and um, yeah, and ethnicity wise, I don't really understand what ethnicity is. I feel like everyone could define it differently, but I don't really identify with the black american culture because my dad is an immigrant. So, um, I more identify with white american and nigerian african culture.
2: And then <clears throat> with me, I'm a cis woman, she her. I am an african american woman, so I guess I don't know, because, like, I'm fully Black, my, both my parents are fully Black, so I'm not mixed with anything as far as I know of.
0: Um, well, I also identify as a cisgendered woman. Um, I, I just say my ethnicity is Black American or American, um, and I race-wise identify as multiracial Black and white. So, Now let's get down into the discussion and why we're here today. Uh, White privilege is something that we all, all of us have to deal with. And even though we are a part of a marginalized community, um, I wanted to hear your thoughts about white privilege and if those inherent advantages have personally impacted you. Michelle, you can go first.
2: I believe that white privilege is a thing. I went to a predominantly white high school and it was very racist. They would like hang nooses in the bathroom and call us the n-word and they would never get in trouble. And like whenever us, the like the black population at school would get upset, we would end up getting backlash for being upset. So it made me really, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. It made me really hurt and in- mildly embarrassed to go to that school because we were on the news for being racist. And the fact that those ch- kids were not, disciplined the way that they should have been is really hurtful is really hurtful
1: yeah (laughs) i'm very astonished yeah
0: that's insane I, i i don't know whether to be sorry or glad that you're out
1: of that situation or just angry at the fact that the administration not just the administration but the entire school board just did nothing let it happen
2: Yes, we had like a black student union form last year, and we had so many meetings with administration, but it just felt like nothing was being happened. They're not listening at all. Just like, I hear you, but do you really hear me? Mm -hmm. Obviously you hear me, but are you processing? Yeah, are you comprehending
1: Mm -hmm. what I'm
0: saying? Mm -hmm. 100%. Megan, go ahead and share your thoughts as well.
1: Yeah, so um, with my school, I'm the complete opposite. I went to a predominantly BIPOC school if not half of the population no the majority of it was either african american black hispanic and then like maybe 1% of the school was white and so coming and like throughout elementary and middle school i grew up with people that looked like me and so when i came to washburn it was it was a culture shock for me because i was surrounded by a whole bunch of white people and i it was just new to me because i never experienced that before but I experienced debate in forensics. And so most of the time we would debate at predominantly white schools. And so that's kind of where I got my experience, but, um, I also agree white privilege is a thing. I know a lot of people think it's not a thing because they automatically think, Oh, I'm white. Um, but I'm poor. Understanding privilege is not just race privilege is economic privilege, family privilege, relationship privilege. So for me, um, I mean, even in my own family, I've been accused, oh, you have privilege because of this, this, and this. That's just to show an example that privilege is not just limited to one race, but privilege is roughly anything, and everyone can experience it. 100%. How about you, Meg?
3: So, like, I come from a similar background, like, with Michelle. I've went to several schools, all of them predominantly white, Um, and like Megan was saying, like, if you don't think white privilege is real, I'm sorry, but you're just ignorant. Because like, like Megan was saying, like it's definitely not just, oh, being poor or getting job opportunities. Um, my white privilege that has been like, I'm a light skin. So I definitely recognize that I get more privilege than my dark skin brothers and sisters. And so um, I haven't experienced like the same things as them. So my experience is definitely different. But um, I remember in elementary school, I was the, me and my sister were the only black kids there. And my dad was on the newspaper in our town that we lived for being, like, the only Black guy that voted there. And um, that was really fun. (laughs) And so I was chased around the playground um, for kids trying to touch my hair. And, like, they would try and, like, laying their heads on my hair and be like, oh, it's just like a pillow. And they would just, like, touch me without my consent. And that was really frustrating. And it got so bad where in preschool, I was crying Um, for my mom to get me a wig, like, so I could have white people hair, wore it to school the next day, Um, looked back in childhood photos, looked really stupid, but none of the kids said anything when I showed up with the hair. They were just, like, oh, that's normal, and then I was ignored, and then that just kind of translated all until my senior year of high school, Um, and then there's just, like, really, like, I, like, how Megan was culturally shook, like, not being, like, being surrounded by white people. Like, I was a culture shock for all the white people, because in a lot of my situations, I was one of the only uh, people of color at my school. And then in high school, like, um, I just remember one experience really vividly where um, we were going over, like, a slave unit in history, and a white girl came in and hit her me with her lanyard and said, I wish it was the good old days where I could whip a slave. And I know for a fact the teacher heard, and she didn't do anything. And so that's, like, one of my most traumatic experiences because it's just, like, what the heck? Like, what is happening? And so, like, I've just experienced things like that. It's, so like, white privilege is definitely just, like, being surrounded by people that look like you, being able to have that confidence that you're beautiful the way you are, that your hair is normal. Like, you're the, be- the, the beauty standard and, like, you're not alone. And so that's kind of, like, the white privilege that I've experienced the most.
0: That's also insane. Oh, my God. Me and Megan fall from the same tree, or not from the same tree, I guess. Like, the
1: same background a little bit.
0: Almost, not, yes, because I also grew up in a very uh, predominantly white school growing up, but I recognized the privilege that I had because I didn't have those experiences that May and Michelle had. I was I wasn't treated as less than I wasn't treated as somebody who looked different I was just treated as a regular kid maybe sometimes a little kid would point out the color of my skin but I, as a kid I was just like yeah I am brown but that doesn't make me any less than mm-hmm. you um it, it hurts me to hear you guys talk about your experiences at school especially as little kids you don't exactly. know how to you don't know how to deal with that you don't even know what white privilege is you're just a kid like every other kid that's around you
1: and then even those kids who are making those racist comments they're little kids and they're already acting like racist adults absolutely that's that's very disturbing because as a kid you're you don't know this stuff you shouldn't know this stuff but if they're already showing that they do that's a huge problem Mm
0: -hmm. it is that just hearing your stories is just so astounding to me Alright, so another unfortunate thing we all have to deal with is the exposure of culture appropriation. Um, but before we dig into that, I wanted to ask you guys, what, in your opinion, what is the difference between culture appropriation and appreciation?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, because um, I think with this one, it definitely, a lot of people don't know the difference, or they have a hard time distinguishing which one is which. In my head, when I think of appreciation, it's being able to say that you've done research, you've put yourself out there, you've had different discussions, or you've just experienced, not even experienced, but just you are informed, actually informed about that culture. And then for me, I always, I ask anything, whenever it comes to either culture or any other marginalized group. I always ask, is this okay? How will this look? And is this allowed for me? because it's not my culture. I don't represent it and I don't want to misrepresent it. And so be ask, being able to ask to me, I would consider that appreciation because that means you care. That means that you actually wanna do good for this culture and you don't want to misre- misrepresent it. Now with cultural appropriation, it's the complete opposite you have no education. If you're educa- any education you have is based on stereotypes, the media, and just Hollywood in general. And then you don't understand the i culture and the history behind the articles that you're wearing. Like a good example is wearing Indian headdresses. We often see them all the time during Halloween, or even I'm from KC, the Chiefs. We often see those at our games. But the thing is, a lot of people don't understand the history behind that. And so it's Cultural appropriation is not knowing anything about the culture and thinking, "Oh, this is just a cute costume." Culture is not a costume; it's an identity, and it needs to be respected. For sure, I
3: definitely agree with like have the discussion, having a discussion with the community that you're trying to like use something from their culture. I feel like in the Black community, it's a really sensitive subject because so much has been taken from us: rap music, clothing, hairstyles slang free music slang like everything like we just food like we just get like and then people are claiming i think it comes like when people start to claim it as theirs mm-hmm. too like oh like country music like no this is art like no babe <laughs> like look up the origins like do some history do some research i'm like the issue with like i feel like also like a hot topic in like um black culture that's being appropriated as hairstyles and getting braids my thing is like I got bullied so much for wearing my natural hair. So wearing braids is like a necessity for me. Like I wear braids to fit in or to protect my hair so it doesn't like soot and to take care of my hair. You're wearing braids because you think it's cute. Like when you stop bullying me for having my natural hair or for wearing braids or the hairstyle, then maybe you can wear it when you don't learn how to act. But like, that's kind of like my issue. And also like your hair is not made for this hairstyle. Like I hope it all falls out. I was just about (laughs) to say.
0: Even with the cultural appropriation, it, first, it just won't look good. Second, all of your hair will fall out. Even yeah. my hair texture. I'm scared of getting braids because I got half white people, half black people hair. Mm-hmm. And I still don't even think my hair is made for that type of
2: stuff.
3: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: I feel like being like, or like cultural appropriation, I have so much to say. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't like especially on social media, like on TikTok, like I follow a lot of commentators and they just speak about this and like people get so defensive, like, oh, it's just a hairstyle, Oh, stop being so sensitive. No, we have a reason to be sensitive. Like, you don't know how that feels. It's like, why is it whenever a white woman dresses a certain way and looks a certain way, has a certain aesthetic, gets her body done to look like a black woman. It's like, oh my God, it's so amazing. She's beautiful. But whenever a black woman has those same features, and the same clothing style and the same hair, it's like, that's disgusting.
3: To add to that, like, why is it when white women wear cheap wigs, it's trendy, but when an African-American woman wears a wig, it's ghetto. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) Like, what are you doing?
0: And I think at at its core, that's what the problem with cultural appropriation is. You know, Mm. people are getting away with things that are culturally, originated from a certain culture and people, yeah they don't take the time to learn about it but they'll they'll take it and they'll use it for their own benefit without recognizing the history and the actual culture behind whatever they're trying to use
2: literally look at the kardashians they're a prime example the uh, fact that kim kardashian called corner something different whatever i don't know what the heck she called it but i was so like wow and she got so much backlash and she was like oh it's fine blah, blah, blah. it's not fine Mm-hmm. No, you're about with a black man you have black children be aware of what you're saying you sound ignorant
3: and like what Megan was saying about like the Native American thing too I don't think people realize like Michelle calls them cornrows I call them cornrows like I think it's just like a difference from where we grow up but like braids like as a like Nigerian and stuff like I don't think people realize that there's like a reason like we braid our hair in certain patterns to represent different things Native Americans wear different headdresses to represent different things <laughs> And then when you're just taking that, maybe, like, where you're wearing a braiding pattern, that's of, like, high status or something. Like, I just think that it's, like, you look, you look dumb because, yeah. like, you know, now you're, it's just because you, you know nothing about it.
0: Like <laughs> It's more than
3: just braids. It's, like, it's a whole, there's so much more behind it.
0: Exactly. So a little tag-along quest- question is, how would you or did you handle a circumstance in regards to cultural appropriation?
1: So I have a really good example of this. The school I went to, there is one Hispanic girl, she was in my class and one day she came in with braids that are predominantly associated with African-American culture. And I am telling you, the minute she stepped in that school, gossip went around the entire school, like not even five minutes later, everyone was commenting on Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, talking directly to her. And so she started crying about it. And so even then there was a debate because some people were like, oh, you guys are bullying her. Like she didn't know this, this, and this. And others are like, um, check where you're at. Look at your surroundings, check your history. You need to pay attention to this. And so with that entire situation, she ended up changing her hair to go just just changing it in general and taking out the braids. And so one for the Hispanic culture, I know we sometimes do braids, but the typical typical... The style of braiding that she wore is mostly done by African-American women to help their hair. And so for her, it was mostly just, oh, I'm making a fashion statement. This looks cute. But again, going back to that appreciation, I don't think she never expressed that she's done history or asked or made it known that, hey, this is what I'm doing. And like just simply asking or even then just not doing it at all. So like I when once we started talking about hair, I immediately went back to that
3: yeah for sure, I definitely would like to comment, like you said like like people were trying to make excuses for her, like oh, she didn't know how did you not know it's twenty twenty one you have all this technology, all this racial tension how how did you think that you were gonna step somewhere that's not even like that's not even predominantly white, and then just act that it was like, hey, okay. like how do you not know like and are you and
1: the school that we went to, it's known for being a black school. We have history of being, I think, one of the black, I don't I'm mean, that may not be correct, but um, it has history of being an African-American school. The majority of our population was African American. So, like, what like just making that excuse, how do you not know? Look at the history. You're
2: insane that
3: was a good idea. <coughs> yeah.
2: All right.
0: So I know, Megan, you're not Black, but I would still love to hear your input about this. Um, <laughs> something that has been long, something that has been a long argued topic is non-Black people saying the N-word. Mm-hmm. So do you guys think there are any loopholes around that word? And no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, agree I agree 100%. I agree 100%. <laughs> I just wanted to know your guys' opinions about that.
2: You no, there? no, no, no. I brings back memories from high school (laughs) yeah like just don't say it like me as a black woman i don't even say n-word i don't say it so why are you saying it and why are you trying to justify saying it if you want to say it so much say it go in the inner city and go say it
3: yeah if you want to say it go down go down in the inner city and just start screaming it in the streets i want to see how you feel about it it. that's (laughs) what happens and don't act brand new when something happens
2: we we yup, I At agree. School, like, every single year, there's like this little white girl getting caught saying N-word and, on video and it gets blown up and spread around. And then she's like, oh, oh my God, I didn't know. You are almost grown. Yes, you did know. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did know. And, and it's not like, straight. I was just going to say,
0: it's not like we're taught literally in school not to say that word. I'm pretty sure like from first grade to like fifth grade, learning that history, even that young, we are not supposed to say the word. Teachers won't say the word. We don't say the word. It's just, it's something that we're not supposed to be saying. And another question I wanted to ask you guys is how does it make you feel when you notice a non-Black person saying the word? How does that like impact you?
3: It enrages me, (laughs) a fire starts. And sometimes like at this point, like I've kind of taken the step back and I just let, I just let the natural consequences happen because you can't really argue with ignorant people like that like if you're saying like in my experience like I'm once again like I'm a light I'm not even a light skin like I'm super pale if y'all haven't noticed and but like I have like African features but when I try and call them out on it they're like well you're you're like light skin like why do you even care I went to a black uh uh BLM protest over the summer and one of my friends were no longer friends but she said to my other friend, and my friend told me, she said, why does May even care so much about Black Lives Matter? She's only half Black, and I said, wow, yeah, yeah, really, and so I just think, like, that ignorance, and people trying to be, like, oh, well, like, people say, and blah, 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 and I said, babe, that's an onomatopoeia word, like, look up the history of the n-word versus, like, no, like, are you dumb, and, like, and people sound so stupid. They're like, oh, I can say the N-word. Um, I, I, my great, 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 great grandpa was half black. And I was like, okay, babe, I can say cracker. My grandma's slave master was white. Like, do you, do you see how dumb that sounds? That sounds stupid. You sound stupid. <laughs> like, I've gone my whole life without saying the N-word. And people are like, oh, well, rappers say it. I said they can, they're black. Like, babe, like, it's like, just because someone, just because your friend jumps off a bridge, would you? some people would say yes, and you know, depending on the friend, I would, but you're dumb, like, (laughs) not the same.
1: I know, and definitely in the Hispanic and Latinx community, we have a huge problem of saying the n-word. The middle school I went to, again, like I said, I grew up with people that look like me, and so I remember in middle school, there would be, some of my Hispanic friends would be saying the n-word, and like, we would just say the n-word, and me personally, I will admit that when I was in middle school, I did say it because I was stupid. I was dumb, I was ignorant, and I didn't know any better, and I was just following what the crowd was doing because in middle school you want to fit in. But after I started becoming educated, I I don't say anymore because it's not my word. I don't like saying it and I have no need to say it. I there are so many different words for saying friend, acquaintance, best friend, homie. There are so many different words and like culturally it's not our word and again looking at that history that it was a derogatory term why are we continuing this existence of this derogatory term it's not our culture it's not we have different words for it it's blatantly we don't need to say it at all and like i know hispanic people say oh i can say it because i'm like i'm a bipoc person too and they're bipoc no 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 honey what did i just say you if got your own, your,
3: exactly. you exactly. your own racial slurs. Say
1: exactly. You can say your own racial slurs. don't need to take ours. Exactly. Like, that's not your word. You have so many different words in the Hispanic community. We have different words for friend. Use those. It's not okay whatsoever, nor should it be tolerated.
3: I ap- really appreciate you, like, admitting, like, and I respect people like you. And I feel like people are scared to learn. Like, mm-hmm. like if you made a mistake in the past that you know better now, that's totally fine. No one's mad at you. Like, you learn. Thank you for, like, taking the time to, like, realize um the meaning of the word and like you were saying like oh like we have other words for friends and stuff i think people need to also realize that when it comes out of another person's mouth who is not black it does not mean friend it does not mean oh my homie that's not what it means when in
0: any it. circumstance whatsoever especially in- i don't want to pinpoint but especially if you are white
3: mm-hmm. and you are
0: saying the word there is always a negative connotation to you saying it because of exactly. you know history, history of america
3: right yeah, and, like, minorities, we have, like, a big, because, like, in my school, like, white, like, was the biggest population, and it was, like, Latino and um, Asian cultures, and they love to say that. No one loves saying the N-word more than my other minorities who aren't Black, because they think they're entitled to it, because they've also been discriminated against. Or they um, think it's cute. Yeah, and it's, that's not the case, either. You don't see me walking around calling you ra- racial slurs for, like, being an Asian and if I did like you would feel some type of way so try and put yourself in our shoes and like it's just I hate that yeah, yeah. and I hate nothing makes me more angry than people were like if I say someone just called me the n-word I'm like oh with the hard er babe it doesn't matter it's not funny. it's same the thing. same, same thing. thing
0: same thing I even get a little bit I don't know about uh you may or Michelle but around my family I use the n-word um, just because it's comfortable, you know, uh, it's where I feel the most comfortable saying the word. I don't, it's not a part of my regular vocabulary, however. But um, I have always had to battle with claiming the word, claiming the Black side of my identity. Um, it's that growth that really made me realize, I was like, yeah, I'm literally half Black. I better, you know, you know, represent and it was along with that battle of trying to find my identity was, you know, being comfortable saying the word, you know.
3: I can um, definitely relate to that. Um, in college, I literally never said the N word until I got to college, and Michelle, I was like, Michelle, like, do you think I'm Black? <laughs> like, do you think of me as, like, a Black woman? And she was like, girl, if you're Black, you're Black, and I'm so grateful for her. I love Michelle so much. She's a rock star. <laughs> um, but she was like, and, like, in college was when I finally started to feel like okay like I'm black like I can do like you know I'm like I still don't like to say it because it's like it's not an it's like not a nice word and it's like well like I only like say it like around Michelle and like like people like if if there's a white person around you don't hear I'm not because then they're gonna think oh, you're saying it I can say it like no but you're stupid but like I definitely can relate to like not being able to claim my culture and things like that so yeah
0: all right um so The last thing I wanted to chat about, chatted with you guys about, my goodness, is Black (laughs) excellence. Um, What does the exposure of Black excellence mean to you, Michelle?
2: It means um, um, praising a young Black person or older Black person of all the good that they've done. You don't have to be a millionaire like Jay-Z to be excellent. You can literally be some typical random person that works at Ford and GM and be excellent. And, like, people get so, like, upset whenever you have that, because it's like, well, if you work hard, you get to certain places. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, just because I'm a dark-skinned Black woman, it takes me a lot longer to get somewhere than any other person. So it's just, like, praising people, just, like, being regular, like, Black excellence, you're being praised.
3: Yeah. Um, I feel like, just, like, I feel like not even, like, Black excellence. Like, I just feel like it means so much to me when Black people get recognized. Because, like, me growing up in a predominantly white school, like, if I could have seen someone that looked like me, if I could have, like, related, like, oh, I have more to my future than just drugs or getting arrested or slavery, like, representation is such a big thing. And, like, maybe in preschool, if, you know, like, I, I, I know a lot of kindergarten shows and, like, preschooler shows because I work with kids, but, like, Doc McSevins a little black girl being a doctor. If that was on TV when I was little and more little kids saw black people and were exposed to black people, maybe my elementary school and high school like would have been, experience would have been different because people would have seen other people and been exposed to people that look different. And that goes representation for all cultures and people with disabilities is too. Like Mm -hmm. I just, if people are exposed to, if we make being different, being a, dif- a different culture, ethnicity, race, ability, if we make that the normal, like, literally so many problems would be solved if people were just exposed to it, and like Michelle said, like, they're, like, we have all these examples and textbooks in school, like, oh, like, praising, like, white people for, like, being inventors and scientists and examples, and this goes for, like, men and women, too, like, I see this a lot, I'm starting to be a teacher, so like, We talk about this a lot, just, like, underrepresentation. There aren't a lot of schools, like, girls in the STEM field, because who are your examples of, like, smart people who've, like, made innovations? It's always, like, white men, like, freaking, what's his name? Albert Einstein. Like, it's always, like, men and things like that. And so I feel like if you, like, start recognizing Black people and different cultures for what the excellence that they can do and all the things that they achieved, like, we would see a big social change. 100%.
0: What about you, Megan? Does Black excellence you know, mean anything?
1: It absolutely does. Um, It's more being able to, like, when you talked about representation with Doc McStuffins, if you were a little kid, like, that you can see yourself, to me, I think about that representation for other kids. Because me being Hispanic, I've had that difficulty where, like, there aren't people that look like me in higher places. And so one of my passions is being my own role model and being the person that I wanted to look up to when I was a little kid. And so I know in the media, having a representation of like Doc McStuffins or just having black children in television. And I emphasize actually look like black children and not be the color blue, green, or like the good example- I think, the animals halftime through the yeah. movie. Or I can think, I think there's the show, Hey Arnold. There's, um, it's either Hey Arnold, there's one show where everyone is white and then there's one blue person, everyone knows good and well that that means that they're black. But the thing is, we need to stop doing that. If you're gonna show someone who's a different ethnicity, don't change their color to the color that they're not. Don't make them yellow, blue, red, or whatever. Give them their actual skin tone because that shows them that, hey, you can do this too. And then part of my job as diversity inclusion director is again showing that hey you're not just limited to these big celebrities like Oprah Winfrey, um, President Barack Obama, Jay-Z, you don't have to fit certain stereotypes because there are Black anthropologists, physicians, musicians, and literally going back you can be making Black history and being Black excellence by being a parent, by being a student, by getting an education, by breaking those barriers. And from the discussions I've had with my Black friends is that one black culture in America is completely different from black culture in Africa. And so they've expressed that they have a hard time identifying their even, even their history because they don't know where they came from. Looking at history, they, their history is just gone because of slavery, and so they're having to constantly, I find who they are, and by having that representation, and by showing them, hey, this is what you can do, not only helps them discover who they are, but also motivates them that, hey, I can do this, even if there's not someone who looks like me, I have the tools and the resources to open that door, and make it known that you can do this too, so absolutely, a hundred percent.
3: Yeah, I don't think people realize how much of effect like, being, having things, like, having examples of things, like, and being, like, because, like, people in, like, like Detroit or something, like, kids like that, what are their examples? What are their role models? Who can they look up to? Most of them, like, they're, like, their role models are not the same role models. They're, they're looking in textbooks that are predominantly white, and then they're seeing all this black violence, black violence, like, people, like, police brutality, like, that's what they have to look up to, and, like, I was a little kid and if that's all you see when you grow up that's what you're going to become like just look at the difference like I don't know if y'all noticed like when Black Panther came out if y'all see all these little black kids like posing they were so proud and so excited when Tiana like when the princess and the frog came out and that's kind of an issue because like you know they turned into frogs and like what Megan was talking about but like there were like little black girls like oh my gosh like they look like me like I can be a princess yes you can be a princess you are a princess like it is so important to have those positive like examples, so people can be able to grow and break those barriers and get out of like whatever situation they're in. Because if they don't see that they can, they're not going to. One
0: hundred percent. Um. So, along with the Black Excellence question, um, what is it? Or, or never mind. Um, are there any extraordinary figures in your guys's life that contribute to Black Excellence? Anybody
2: you can think of? My granny? I don't know. (laughs) Because, like, she was born in 1932. Um, Her parents were born out of slavery. Like, my granny went through everything from segregation to all that up to now. And she's seen all of that. She's had to experience and deal with that. And I just look up to her so much because I don't know how I would have handled, like, Seeing a little black boy being lynched down the street from me because she's from Mississippi. It was a lot worse down there than it was up here in St. Louis and Kansas City. So I applaud her because she's seen things. She's had to deal with things. Like Mm -hmm. even to now, like, even to like now, like how she handles herself in like certain situations and how she speaks about like the killings of Therese Martin and like all those um people that have been handled wrongly in like police issues, like she like speaks very like highly and like she like
3: understands so I don't know she likes she's seen a lot she's seen a lot yeah I feel like people think like they want to put like slavery was so much in the past literally her grandma who's still alive experienced segregation everyone's like get over it it happened so long ago like babe no like no it just happened it just happened <laughs> um I feel like definitely like people in my family like if I had a different family like my mom she's the white one but she worked so hard to like like, expose me to, like, these Black people who have done amazing things and who have just, and just have examples. My dad, like, I come from, like, African culture, and so, like, education is so important, and all of my family members, all of his brothers and sisters, like, they went to college. My sister, like, she went to college, graduated at 19, like, from college. Um, She went to school, high school when she was 12. Like, my sister was, we don't get along (laughs) a lot, but, like, she's definitely a role model for me. And my dad like they've just shown me like they're such hard workers and they've gone through a lot of struggles and a lot of um just a lot of people have been against them because of the color of their skin and where they come from my dad is an immigrant so he has a thick accent and people just underestimate them underestimate him and he they think that he's stupid which he thinks is funny which is really embarrassing when we go out to dinner because he acts like he can't speak english And so the waitresses are like, so that's kind of embarrassing. He's my dad, but (laughs) he embarrasses me, but I love him. And he just, he just, that's like such a good example of like being a hard worker and just like defying the odds. And he loves to say like, he's like, he loves to make comments about like, oh, like these white people think I'm poor. And then he like talks about how much money he has. I'm like, dad, okay. calm down whoa but I just really look up to them because they're just like they really have overcome a lot and they've really set a good example for me of like what it means to be a hard worker and what it means to succeed and so just definitely my family members
2: what
0: about
1: you Megan do you have anybody Absolutely. Um. First off, you three being up here to talk about your experiences with so much confidence and so much bravery, because I know even that there's still that same fear that um, the African-American community faced in the 1960s. It's 2021, and there is still fear that is being experienced. And so just being able to come up here, talk about your experiences, have that bravery, and just have the confidence to say, this is who I am. Nothing's gonna change that, and I stand for what I stand. And then even for um, my black friends back in KC, all of them, there's, I always am amazed by how much confidence they have in themselves to be a proud black African-American woman, man, whatever. There, there's just so much confidence in them that most of the time I'm like, how do how do I get this confidence? Because they, they're willing to stand up for what they want. They're like, this is my life. You're going to acknowledge it. And I'm going to make great things. Whether you like it or not, it's going to be- benefit me. And then future generations up to me as I grow older. So absolutely.
0: All right. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is, um, what does it mean to you to contribute to Black excellence?
3: as yourself. Michelle got this, she's one of my definitions of black (laughs) excellence, yay. Um,
2: Just do the best that I can be and be a role model to other people. Like, I just wanna do good in this world and be good. And I want other people to know, like there's someone like you. Cause I wish I had that growing up. So I wanna be like that to other people.
1: I would say as an ally, just continuing to fight to stand up for justice and to fight for your friends, your family members, just anyone, just continue to fight because there is a lot of change that still needs to be done. Just, um, uh, there's a statement that I'm, that will be shown on February 28th that talks about how once Black History Month is over, that does not mean that we stop standing up for justice and stop standing up for Black communities.
0: 100%, all right, well, since that was the last topic of discussion I had for you guys, um, I will stop holding you captive. Um, thank you, Megan, uh, May, and Michelle, for joining me to have this conversation about Black excellence and beyond. So, this is now <laughs> this is now the time I'm going to give to you guys to promote anything you'd like before we end this podcast.
3: Michelle pop off. <laughs> what's your Instagram?
2: Oh yeah, my Instagram is celerybaby s. E l e r y d p y.
3: Um, my Instagram is talk paw. So talk like the word, and then paw p a. <laughs> if you want to give that a follow, and then I also work um, at a summer camp called Yes Camp with kids and adults with physical and intellectual disabilities. And if you want to learn more about that, my other Instagram is yes with two s's underscore man underscore. And so, if you're interested in working a summer job, a really awesome summer job, and getting to be involved in being an advocate, just give me a DM me, and I'll get you connected to the right people.
1: I guess I'll put my Instagram out there. Um, Megan M A G A N underscore Durantes, Dorantes D O R A N T E S twenty eight. Find me there. But also, just give a shout out to wsga as Sierra mentioned. Most of our social media will either be at your WSGA, this podcast, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Washburn University Student Government Association. It's there. <laughs> All right, um,
0: the only reminder I have is that uh, Washburn student elections are coming up. Uh, I would advise everybody to take some time and find out how, uh, how you can vote for the next Washburn student body administration. Um, and my final words are a big thank you um, to you listeners, to my guests, to wsga as a whole um just thank you for taking time to listen to these podcasts and listen to this podcast podcast episode um and this will unfortunately be the last podcast for this month but i know for sure that there's more to come with this your wsga podcast so keep a lookout on our social media for some more special things to come and we'll talk to you guys later bye bye thanks for listening (laughs)